Welcome back to the Undrafted Podcast, episode 13. Uh, today is December 18th, 2020. I am back with Max Sommer. How are you doing? Yeah, good, good. Glad to be glad to be back on the podcast. Yeah, it's been a long time, seven, eight months since you last came on. Yeah. March, right before everything happened. Oh, yeah, right. Was it, was it March? I thought it was maybe maybe February. Maybe February. Whenever yeah. you came to Queens last time. Right. Yeah, it was a couple of weeks before COVID hit, shut down the Western world. Mm. Um, yeah, I remember we talked about the potential effects of COVID that day. Yeah? On, like, attendance at sports events, something like that. Oh, I don't do any, uh, any hot takes. I can't remember what I said. I don't remember. I just remember that coming up. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure we just completely downplayed it. Um, yeah, probably. Like no everyone idea. else, no idea. And now we're still behind closed doors. <laughs> um, so I guess essentially we're just covering the same topics that we did last time. Mm. Uh, start with a bit of boxing, then move into some footy afterwards. Okay. Um, last time we talked, it was post. Wilder Fury fight two, um, and then last weekend, Joshua uh, won with the was it tenth round? I yeah, think? yeah, yeah. Tenth round knockout of Pulev, um, and that seems to be shaping up for the Fury Joshua fight potentially next year. So, what were your thoughts on the Joshua fight first? Um. Oh, okay. Let me just start with something sort of general about boxing because I. I fear for where the sport is going because I don't know if I don't know whether this was expected to be an exciting fight or it was billed as an exciting fight like I barely saw any promotion for it and and maybe that's a sort of a a reflection of COVID but I think it's also a reflection of the fact that this guy has been the mandatory I want to say IBF maybe WBO either mandatory IBF or mandatory WBO for almost his entire career. He has one loss. Like, he's a good fighter. He lost to Klitschko. But he's 39. And I, I, I'm not sure, wh- like, why this was thought to be the fight that would, like, get boxing re-energized post-corona. Because it was, it was so boring. It was just so... Like, in the third round, the fight should have stopped. The guy... Uh, yeah, he turned, turned his back. Turned his back. And was like, looked like he was about to pass out on the ropes. And for some reason, it wasn't stopped. Probably shitty refereeing, to be honest. Because during the whole fight, there were like blows behind the head, lots of illegal stuff in the clinch, things that probably a better referee would have gotten a hold of. Um, but to be honest, that was the only excitement in the fight. Joshua sort of turned on the power in the third round, Pulev felt the power, panicked. Then Joshua knew even at that point he could probably win on points, so took a step back and uh, figured he would eventually knock him out, and that's that was like the story of the fight. And it, it's sad because it, like you look at the UFC, the UFC was able to organize a fucking island. Sorry, I don't know if I'm should be swearing. No, you're but, good. <laughs> if the UFC was able to organize an island, and they flew fighters out to the island to to sort of they they got the COVID stuff down, they tested them beforehand, they tested them all the time on the island. And it's just like, how can boxing compete with with the UFC when the UFC is doing things like that? And boxing is giving you, after a massive like break, 
Joshua versus the 39-year-old Pulev. Like, I, I worry that without significant fights happening every six months, that the boxing is just going to continue to fall behind um, the UFC. Yeah, I think we talked about last time the appeal of heavyweight boxing, but because it's so, it's just not frequent. There's like maybe one or two fights a year that people really want to watch, at, at least in terms of heavyweight, unless you're like a boxing nerd, which I don't think either of us particularly are. But um, no. the UFC seems to have really shot up in the last two, two or three years in terms of popularity, maybe because of the entertainment of MMA compared to boxing. Um, but also promotion and the characters that you kind of have with people like McGregor and Khabib and Nate Diaz. I don't know. Yeah, I I think it's, I don't know if it surprised people in boxing, but it certainly surprised sort of random fans like, like me. Or, um, and the big thing for me that stands out is that just the, the structure of the UFC is, is such that fighters are contracted to the UFC. Um, and you don't really have that in boxing. You have sort of these four, I guess they're called federations or organizations, you know, yeah. WBA, IBF, WBO, WBC. And, and they each have their own belts and they each have their own sort of systems for determining who fights who. And so it becomes really, really hard to organize fights that are interesting because you have to sort of work within the framework of the belts, right? But at the UFC, Dana White can essentially do what he, I mean, short of forcing the fighters to fight, he can like sit people down because everyone's contracted to the UFC. So he can get the fights that are gonna get people's attention. But now, I mean, who, I mean, hopefully the Fury fight, Fury Joshua fight will happen, but there's like, a considerable possibility that it might not happen or it might not happen for a long time and that would never happen in the UFC like they make yeah. those big fights happen so I just don't know how boxing can can compete with with that I don't know it's a good question I mean there's still tons of mandatory fighters that could get in the way of the Joshua Fury fight mm. um, I don't know. it seems like both of them want it to happen and they've sort of talked about it, but it, like yeah. everyone sort of talks that trash and they, they can keep saying that, but I don't know. It comes down to money and promotion and things like that. Yeah, and also like Fury's, he's not young. No. He's, uh, let's see, he's 32. Um, and, uh, you know, even if, it wait, even if we wait a year for it, these guys, I don't know how, how in shape Fury is now. It takes time to, to prep for a fight. So even once they set a date, there's a lot that, that needs to happen preceding that for the fight to sort of go ahead. Um, I think COVID probably plays a big part in this because they've always dreamed about that Wembley, two British boxers, unifying fight, mm. 80,000. That's not, and they've mentioned May 2021, but I don't know if that's plausible. I mean, maybe, m- maybe. and. Like, to, to be fair, this is all taking place in just the most absurd times, and and obviously it's hard to have organized, hyped-up sporting events when there's going to be no fans. Um, so it, maybe, maybe I'm being too, too dramatic, but 
I just think when you talk to younger people, how many, how many young people are going to get hyped about a boxing, even a heavyweight boxing match versus a UFC fight? It's just like maybe like 70-30 in favor of UFC, I think. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. Yeah, which is worrying, um, which is worrying, I think, for people, for people who like boxing. And it, it, I think you're right about the personalities. Like, there are just b- bigger personalities in in the UFC. Um, so, but just, I don't, if, you, if you don't have the, the personalities to attract an audience, then, then I think that's ultimately where you'll suffer. Because it, people are, are drawn to the sport, not just by the combat, but, but by the people who are fighting. And if you don't have interesting people that are fighting, then... It's hard to get people to tune in, I think. Hi, hypothetically, if the Joshua Fury fight does take place um, next year or sometime soon, who would you put your money on? Um, it depends. It depends. So I think the, the weight that Joshua fights at is, is sort of an interesting variable in all this. Because um, he dropped... Dropped a lot of weight for the second Ruiz fight. Mm-hmm. And then for the uh, Pulev fight, he came in, I think, four four pounds heavy or something like that. Yeah. Um, so he's clearly trying to uh, reshape his fighting style a bit. Uh, maybe he felt he was coming in too heavy and wasn't quick enough. And so I think it'll be interesting what he decides to do with Fury because Fury is so quick, especially for someone his size. Um, and just like... An, a very awkward person to fight because he's so long as well. So I, I think it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see what kind of strategy he goes with because with someone like Pulev, who's like no, not a very technical boxer, has sort of a pretty basic repertoire. I think he he could go he could sort of take the technical route, um, and and like sit behind the jab and things like that but with fury i think maybe he he it's worth putting on a a bit more weight and going for power and i think if he does that i think there's a chance that he can win because i don't know if fury has the power especially if the fight's happening in let's say a year to to knock him out um so i think if aj can can sort of force uh like a fight inside that's not determined by points like push push the like the power onto fury i th- I think he can win um but if it goes to points i i don't know if aj has it just because fury again is so awkward and like would just be able to land consistently for, for 12 rounds um which i don't think aj can do but i don't know we'll see it, it, i mean it'll be an amazing fight it just yeah. needs to happen soon because first of all you need to retain the hype and also, these guys are getting well. Fury, I, I worry about how, you know, if he can get in shape, and how long he'll be able to get in shape for. So, I hope yeah. it happens, but we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully, it happens. Yeah. What, um, what do you think? What do you think? What are your? Would you set the line at? I mean, it would be close. I don't think there would be a heavy, heavy favorite. Um, and like you said. If it goes to points, it probably favors Fury. Um, but I think Joshua 
like you said, has shown the capability to sort of change his style uh, if need be. Mm. And he's powerful. Like, you can't really forget that much. Um, he has the power to knock Fury out. We saw Wilder do it. Um, to Fury's credit, he was able to get up mm. and get through that. But um, I think it would be close. Yeah. Yeah, just pray it goes ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um, quickly, we mentioned sort of uh, the way that fighting is changing, and um, I wanted to get your thoughts on these uh, celebrity boxing things that are happening. <laughs> Namely, uh, the Paul family. Yeah, well, look, look, that's that's the thing. Like, after everything we've said about boxing not be able to attract younger audiences, yeah. this the solution that. I don't, I don't know who's come up with it or how it's sort of come to fruition, but all of a sudden we now have the Paul brothers fighting Floyd Mayweather, the, the best pound-for-pound pound fighter ever, probably. And so the, that's, that says something about the state that boxing is in, is that to, to get young people interested, we need YouTubers to fight. And or or who did um, who did the one of the Paul brothers fought the the ex NBA guy what's his name Robinson oh, Nate Robinson yeah like that was a mess it's it's almost unsafe it, it's almost unsafe like I don't know how these people get professional licenses where they're allowed to fight without headgear I don't know. but all, it's it says a lot about the state that boxing is in that for some reason these are the fights that interest people. And then Jake Paul goes out and fully calls out McGregor in some, like, very staged Instagram video. It was just quite rude, honestly. But Yeah, I, I, like, I, I don't even want to give it attention. And I, I pray McGregor doesn't respond because the only way these absurd events happen is when people buy into it. And if, I mean, other than the money... How can you have respect for your your craft, be that boxing or mixed martial arts, and and think it's a good idea to fight a YouTuber? Other than, like, you hate him and you want to beat the shit out of him. Like, or he's annoying and you want to shut him up. Like, it, it, it really baffles me why Mayweather would agree to this. Surely he has enough money. Yeah. No? I mean, I, I, don't, I haven't seen the numbers for, for how much he's going to make, but... I mean, I'm sure it's something large. Um, but yeah, I have no idea what his motivation would be to accept this. And what is the weight difference? For What is the height difference and what is the weight difference between Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather? <laughs> Logan Paul's pretty big. <laughs> I think in if they were to... If this would be a professional sort of a sanctioned fight, the, the, Floyd would probably be like a flyweight, Maybe. I don't know. I don't know what he weighs now. Flyweight like, or like featherweight, maybe. Yeah, he's something and, like one fifty. Yeah, and Logan Paul might be cruiserweight or I don't know. I haven't seen what he weighs, but very well could be a heavyweight. Like, what what on earth would prompt him to to do that? To fight someone who's let me see, six foot two. I, I can't find his weight anywhere, but. He's six foot two, and Mayweather's five foot eight. What? Like, what? what? Like, what? Who? What? What even? What? What would that even look like? I, 
I don't like, I don't could know Mayweather means. land an uppercut on him I don't even think he could reach his chin he's just gonna dodge the entire fight yeah yeah and just pray he doesn't get hit yeah but that's oh, that's, that's that's what he's been bit. doing for a while but yeah that's the Mayweather way different. like I would love to see Mayweather try and land an uppercut on Logan Paul like his chin is five inches above him <laughs> above his head anyway it's absurd and it's mm. it's sad to me it's sad and and, and the th- the weird thing is, is that I'm probably gonna watch it um, oh yeah having said all this we're talking about it like this but I will probably watch it <laughs> yeah which is bad I don't want to be watching it I don't I don't want to endorse it but <laughs> it is what it there's is there's a there's a wrap up on the world of fighting I guess um, yeah pessimistic <laughs> pessimistic wrap up next um we wanted to cover some prem some mm. man united mm. uh nice win yesterday against uh <laughs> one point sheffield yeah big win especially after the opening five minutes <laughs> yeah <laughs> i guess we'll start we'll go back a couple of weeks so there's the pogba situation uh, his agent comes out, says he basically should be leaving in January, and he's not happy. Pogba then puts together like two weeks of very solid performances, I'd say. Um, then the Champions League happens, mm. Derby happens, uh, Sheffield happens. First thoughts on Pogba? I I've always been a defender and an advocate for Pogba purely because he is a talented footballer and we do not have many talented footballers in midfield. It's it's as simple as that. It's a question of talent. And, and obviously a lot comes with him. And Raiola is... Like, there's a lot that can be said about the power of agents and the influence that they have in football. And Raiola epitomizes all that is wrong with the the sort of the nature of an agent in football. And to be honest, I, I have no idea whether Pogba said to him, like, stop doing this. Stop going to the media. You know, if you're going to do it, do it discreetly. Like, I, I, to be honest, I, I want to believe that this was all Rayola's doing. Because he clearly cares. Like, there is there are some games where he looks disinterested. But on balance, I think Pogba can't really be criticized for a lack of effort, I don't think. I don't see that. I think there are a lot of other players that look like they don't give a shit, and Pogba is not not high up on that list. So the the Raiola stuff is, I think, on the side, and probably should be judged more as a reflection of who Raiola is rather than who Pogba is. But at the same time, he's your agent, and you should have, like, if you you should assert control over him if you don't think he's doing the right thing. So I don't know. I saw rumors that he's going to Juve. This is like it, it happens all the time, and I I don't. Every time I see them, they lose, like they lose their effect. If he leaves, he leaves, and I'll be sad to see him go because, as I said, he is a very talented player. But all this gossip, probably generated by his agent, is just so it's so boring at this point. Yeah, if there's a rumor. 
that you want to be true for like any star player. I think you can go out and find it. They, they all exist. I haven't seen other than Juve any other big teams. I mean, there's always been like Real Madrid type yeah. stuff, but I, don't know, I think Real Madrid is linked to every player in the world. <laughs> um, yeah. So then the Champions League exit happened. That was just quite uh, disappointing, I guess. I don't know. Well, yeah. There was a lot of talk about the formation to start the game, or at least the choices at left back, left mid. What did you think about that going into it? Well, essentially he set up with what looked to me like a five at the back. Mm. And then um, it didn't really feel like one. Yeah. And and that to me is is the all the sign sort of no, what am I trying to say? That is the how do I phrase this in the right way? The that to me shows that Skolshar is not capable of managing this team to a to a level where we are going to challenge in the Champions League, challenge for the Premier League. He's clearly not worked on this enough in training. Because Wambasaka looked like he had no idea what he was doing. And, and, and the whole game, Angelino was in miles of space. Miles of space. So the, the buck has to stop with Skolshar when it comes to these like tactical changes that clearly have not been thought out and not been practiced enough. Because when you set your team up, for some reason... It, Clearly, our, our, the only reason we win games is because we can score more than the other team. That, that, is, that has been proven this season time and time again. So why on earth would you trial a new formation that relies on sort of defensive acumen and, and, and organization and not work on it on training or not work on it enough in training and have it fall apart in the first 10 minutes of the game? Like, that to me is... is all that you need to see to show that Skolshar is not capable of of managing this team to a to a level where we're going to challenge for things. And the reason why we win games is never ever a, sort of a, a tactical or a motivational thing. We start the game slow, we concede early goals, and then the players wake up and are like, "This is not good enough. We're 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 losing to West Ham, or we're losing to Sheffield United." Like. That that is a a reflection of a manager that cannot motivate his players, and doesn't know doesn't. At least in the Champions League, cannot be a, a tactician, and understand the strengths and weaknesses of his team. So, you you need to look for signs, of hope. When when a team is playing with your heart like this, and you cannot look at Skolshar and be hopeful or I cannot look at Skolshar and be hopeful would you give a look at Poch right now I mean like yes I guess I mean who who else is there probably no one better than Poch no not really um, but to be fair to Skolshar there is just there's a lack of direction and that that goes beyond the manager and yeah. that goes to Ed Woodward and, I, and to be honest I'm not sure how interested the 
the owners are in the team. Um, I got TB12 now, so TB. it's hard to be hard to be focused on uh, on United. And again, it's it's more of a commercial uh, project for them rather than a sporting project. Yeah, and I think uh, that's clear. It's, it's a business, I think. Yeah, how they would put it. Yeah. And that's why I don't think Woodward will will ever go. People are like, oh, Woodward needs to go, Woodward needs to go. But from the business standpoint, for now, the club is doing, is doing well. Like, you know, sponsors and shirt sales and all these, all these things that sort of the business side cares about. They seem to be doing okay. But eventually, lack of Champions League football will, will lead to talent going elsewhere. And, and that long term will, will hurt the financial um, success of the club. But, but at the moment, I don't think the owners see that. Um, it's, some people have said it's a problem of consistency. That, you know, week in and week out, the team doesn't always appear to be on the same level. I don't know, you probably watch them more than I do. Do you think that's fair to say? Because they're capable, it would seem of at times high level football yeah well the the consistency thing is to me indicative of reliance on Fernandez. if Bruno doesn't play well we don't play well um, and well actually to be fair against Sheffield United I don't think he played very well and, and we were still uh, dominating but that's against Sheffield United so I don't know how good of a a reference point that is but but generally the inconsistency comes from a reliance on Fernandez and that is uh, is worrying because all it takes is one injury and I don't even know where we would be um, but again it, the inconsistency if if Skolshar realizes that, that Fernandez is the key to United playing well if he does, I assume he does. Like most most people can see that. There needs to be efforts to change that. Do you know what I mean? Like, you you can't just accept that a Fernandez penalty is going to save you from just dropping points to the most you know like bottom ten teams. Yeah. That it doesn't it doesn't make sense that you you look at the United team, you look at the inconsistency, and you don't make changes. And Fernandez is a great player, and and it's okay that he's the centerpiece. But if there aren't efforts to sort of develop new systems, or sort of establish other leaders in the team, then the team will forever be inconsistent. Like one of the things that Klopp has done has he's sort of distributed responsibility. And the goals come from so many different players. And even with Van Dijk gone, defensively they're still pretty solid. And, and that, is, that is a reflection of a good manager who knows that you need to distribute responsibility, you have leaders in your team, and you empower the leaders in your team. And that, again, that, that all comes back to the manager. Um, and if you don't... If you don't take those steps, all it takes is one Fernandez injury, even if he's out for two, three weeks. And and I, I fear for what, what would happen to the team at that point. Yeah. Um, 
looking at the larger picture, still in sixth, which for all the criticism just because maybe it's Man United, still seems like an okay place to be at the moment. Um, Liverpool's at the top courtesy of their resounding win over Tottenham a couple of days ago. Tottenham in second. Southampton will be playing Champions League apparently next year. <laughs> um, uh, Leicester and Everton after a slip up during the uh, well, during like November or late October are back up into fifth. Uh, do you think Liverpool can hold on? Yeah, I think it's Liverpool's title to lose. Um, but never, never discount Mourinho. And we talked and we talked about this, I think last time that for whatever reason, people don't like to give Mourinho credit. And and you you I think you asked me this, but what is the outstanding season since Fergie left? And and it is yeah. it is Mourinho. Um, yeah. And I think yet again people are. I mean, I think I think he's getting some credit, but what he's done to that Tottenham team, they're really hard to break down. They seem to fight, so they they have an attitude of fighting in ev- for every single tackle, for every single header, for every single point. And for some reason, he couldn't create that at United. At and um, I think he knows that. I think for whatever reason, it didn't work out. He he wasn't able to to establish that grit but he's done that at Spurs and and Kane and Son like like Stockton and Malone like just will probably go down as one of the best they're so duos. fun to watch yeah yeah they're incredible and they they seem to like each other as well which is oh interesting. yeah a lot you don't really uh, see that often no certainly not in basketball no um so I think Spurs uh will be challenging to the end but they probably don't. They probably don't have the quality. And again, it's reliance on on Kane and Sonny. And if uh, it all it takes is one injury, I think like similar to United, and um, they could be in trouble. But hmm. um, Everton got off to a hot start early on, then sort of uh, leveled off a little bit. But then recently, Chelsea, Leicester beat them both. Um, are you buying Everton stock? It's kind of it's confusing. I don't know. It doesn't feel like it's reliance on like James Rodriguez or like Calvert Lewin to poach goals inside the six yard box. But I don't know. yeah, it's it's sort of with Everton. I think there's a lot of it's sort of the they're greater than the sum of their parts. There's a lot of players in there that. Like Iwobi, for example. Iwobi was like, I wouldn't say useless, but certainly not a standout player at Arsenal. But when he plays for Everton, he looks good. DCL, out of nowhere, is probably fighting with Kane for the starting spot for England. I don't know where he's come from. Richarlison, kind of uh, quite inconsistent, but certainly talented. He looks like he always wants to fight. I think fight he just is like, his haircut or something <laughs> um but yeah that i think ancelotti's done done really really well with that team because they on paper don't don't seem to be uh super talented other than james hmm. 
and uh, he's he's got them playing playing quite well. Got them playing quite well. I think as the season goes on, they'll sort of steadily drop down to the to the place to the places where Everton usually are. Um, but in this absurd season, where the Champions League schedule is so congested, or the European schedule generally is so congested, the big teams are are clearly struggling, and Klopp likes to complain about it. <laughs> Probably sort of in a in the wrong way, like yeah. having a go at uh, the broadcasters. But yeah. uh, I think the top teams will, especially as the season goes on, will start to lose more and more players. And and so teams like Everton, teams like Leicester, teams like Southampton, will be able to put put pressure on them if they can just stay stay up there. But, um, is Pep's job on the line? currently sitting at ninth I have no I hope not I, I would say no because Pep in the Premier League is is important I think what Pep represents in the Premier League is important and and if he if he were to fail at City I mean I don't I don't think he's he's failed up until this point that sure there have been sort of bad seasons but what Pep has introduced into the Premier League has been some of the most exciting football, some of the most interesting, talented game, sort of game changers. Minute. Yeah. Into the Premier League. And I, and I don't want that to, to go. I think the problem with City goes beyond Pep. It, this is just a transition. When you lose leaders like Silva, like Yaya like company team your team will always struggle um and they they haven't really filled filled those leadership roles and they look like a team that lacks leaders so one would at least for city's sake i think one would hope that the players will step into step into those leadership roles and with de bruyne i i don't really think he he wants to do that i think sometimes when i watch City play, he looks Quiet. a bit fed up. Yeah, it just looks looks a bit fed up. Like when things don't go his way, he sulks, he throws his hands up. Like I don't know if he's the the leader that City needs. Um so I hope not, because Pep Pep has done has done a lot for the Premier League, I think. Yeah. Um is there a certain Argentine savior coming. <laughs> I don't know. Again, this is like it's like a speculation, but it it's is it, it at least it okay, it's not fun to speculate about Pogba, it is fun to speculate about Messi. Um as a sort of as a team Ronaldo person, hmm. I would lo- I would love to see Messi in the Premier League because I think he would. Uh, he certainly wouldn't have it as easy as he he has had it in La Liga. Um, would he save City? I I don't I don't think so. Again, like as I said, it's I think it's a leadership. It's a leadership problem, and especially now that Fernandinho is getting older. 
I mean, who would you even give the captain's armband to in that team? I don't know. I mean, like you said, they give it to De Bruyne when he has to, but he doesn't step into that role fully. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, he's t- that's not to take away from his ability. He's, he's incredible, but that you can be incredible and not be sort of a leader in the team, and that's and that's okay. And. It, it just you just need to recognize that the manager needs to recognize that he needs to recognize that he's a player comp Kawhi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's basically the, yeah. Maybe I mean I think maybe more vocal than Kawhi. Um, yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, I think that yeah, that might be a good comparison. Less less injury prone maybe. <laughs> um, last. Team I wanted to cover Arsenal. Oh, I love it! I love it. There are a few. T- there, yeah, four points, ahead. four points out from. Uh, oh, sorry, no, five points out from relegation. I don't know. There was a great photo of Walcott after he scored um, <laughs> with Arteta, his hands and his his hands on his face, uh, on the sideline versus Southampton. But um, yeah, go ahead. No, I just it, it makes me happy. Okay. I love it. I, there are a few Arsenal fans. There are a few Arsenal fans in my life that I, uh, I wouldn't say I like to see them suffer, but it does make me laugh, because for so long they've been they've been bashing Wenger. Now they're and they bashed Emery. And now we're Arteta's team now, and uh, this is what Arteta's team looks like. 15th. They gave this contract to Aubameyang, who looks sleepy. I think he Doesn't scored, like, two goals this year or something. Yeah. Total disaster on that front. I, does, like, I don't know why Arteta got the job in the first place. But he, he hasn't even had a, prof, uh, a professional managerial role yet um, prior to that, I don't think. I mean, he was he was Pep's... Uh, assistant or I forget what exactly what his title was but Pep's guy yeah Pep's guy and um, yeah it's just I feel so whilst I like it's funny to see them suffer I feel so sorry for them because I I don't know I can't even point to what's wrong in the team I can't say okay you know you, you fix these things and you know, things will start to improve. I mean, there's, there's like joke players like Jaka, for example. But but people we've been saying like, it's known Cap- that Jaka's a joke. Captain, Captain Granite. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, not really. But <laughs> when we talked about captain issues with De Bruyne, I think this is like a whole other level. Yeah, yeah. It's it's tough to say. Other than the promising youth prospects that they have, it's tough to be hopeful. Because it's, again, similar to United in a sense, the, the disinterested owner, like Kroenke probably doesn't even watch the games. And, and that shows in the team. Because they're, it's, I wouldn't say as United are as bad, but there is a lack of direction. Um, 
and and that shows in like the Pepe signing. Like, whoa. I don't think Pepe I don't know how often Pepe starts, but whenever I've watched him he's he's sitting on the bench. Um uh, so yeah, I the Arsenal is in a in a pretty alarming free fall. And I, they won't get relegated, but could they finish in the bottom half of the table? Potentially. The last big six team that we haven't covered, I just want to look at quickly. Chelsea. Um, two defeats in a row now. Not great. But they have talent. Um, Lampard has been criticized at times. Uh, just for not being a very inspiring coach, maybe, or choice. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What's your take on that? Because they got, I mean, at the beginning of the season, they got Werner, Havertz, uh, Chilwell. It seemed like it was going well. Yeah, I uh, I like the Chelsea team. Like I, when I watch them, they look they look sort of like a potential title challenger. They have enough talent to do it. Certainly, like someone like Zuma has come out of nowhere and is now a a solid solid centre back. I think after they got rid of Kepa, they look much more confident at the back. I mean, Mendy made a mistake on the. Uh, was it against uh, Wolves? Maybe. I, 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 yeah, he made a, a recent mistake, but other than oh yeah, yeah no, it was against Everton. He took out DCL. He's been very good otherwise. Yeah, but other than that, I think has been certainly much more consistent than Kepa. They they've had some they've had some injuries. I think uh, Ziyech is a loss. Pulisic is in and out of the team through injury. Um, and I think they lack width when, when you don't have Ziyech and when you don't have Pulisic. And I, I don't know what's going on with Havertz. Because he sometimes shows a lot of promise and then other times looks a little bit lacking in confidence. Um, but he's, he's a talented player. Like at Leverkusen, he was, he was brilliant. So I think they just need a couple, uh, a couple of pieces to fall into place and they could easily challenge for the title. But the team on, I think on paper is is strong enough to do it, and maybe maybe Lampard needs more time. But uh, I I like that the Chelsea. I think Reese James is really really good. Certainly, probably should be starting for England. Um, that's a loaded position for England, right back. Yeah, yeah. I mean Walker is. I I've never been a fan. Um, he gets away with things because he's quick, but he's a bit of a moron. Um, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of talent in the Chelsea team. Kante, still a quality player. Um, Werner, Giroud, to his credit, still still gets the goals. Tammy looks all right. Um, Pulisic, I think, will... Uh, Future we'll start to yeah. Well, he's definitely, definitely gifted. I think yeah. if he can stay fit, he'll uh, he'll become a sort of a twenty twenty six. He'll become a Chelsea legend if he can stay fit because he he sort of reminds me of Hazard mm. in just his like quickness and turn of pace and like low center of gravity. I I don't think he's at Hazard's level yet, but um, he reminds me of Hazard. So I, there's there's talent in that team. It just it. They're not. They don't 
for some reason it's not coming together yet and I think the, the lack of width is a problem like especially when you're someone like Giroud in the starting up front mm. you want to be whipping crosses in and they look they look a bit narrow every time well from, from the games I've watched so we'll see I think I think they're a good team though I think they're a good team alright just before you go because I know you got to pack get ready um, FIFA awards came out yesterday I don't know how much weight you put into these Lewandowski player of the year <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean he probably would have won the Ballon d'Or yeah I, I think ridiculous um, goal scoring record yeah absurd Klopp best coach yeah I don't know about that I don't know about that he's well again it's like it's hard to evaluate what, what makes a good coach yeah. and and to be honest he's He's sort of overseeing a project, sort of the, the culmination of many, many years of of building. And so maybe he deserves an award for that. But in terms of like a, a manager's performance within a year, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, to, can I put another name forward? Probably not, but I don't know if he stands out. Okay. The other but two I, that he beat out were uh, Flick, Munich's coach. Mm. And uh, uh, Marcelo, Leeds boss. Yeah, I mean, I love Bielsa. I love watching Leeds play. But I think the most entertaining team this year. Yeah, yeah. He's I, I, they're playing United next, actually. Mm. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. Um, he he's their team looks like usually when teams come up from the championship, there's it's pretty clear which teams are championship quality and these guys look immediate Premier League caliber like I don't know how he's how he's done that but Leeds look like a like a good good side and a side that can build towards you know certainly Europa League places um yeah so I don't know I don't like Klopp to be honest so I, I think that's why I why I'm sort of wouldn't say disagree but questioning it slightly because he behave he's like happy happy smiley hugging until things don't go his way and then he behaves like a like just a bit of a dickhead like go having to go to the media or i think he against spurs he grabbed the fourth officials yeah board or something he he just when things aren't going his well, his his way. He's not so happy go lucky, and he's a bit of a like a grumpy, just like all managers are. But it, this kind of like two faced thing, I uh, I don't like, and people like don't see that for some reason. Mm-hmm. Like Mourinho, Mourinho said in the interviews, like if I behaved as Klopp did, yeah, he'd be fine. He'd be getting touchline bans, why not? And for some reason, Klopp behaves in that way, and nobody says anything. So yeah. I, I don't like that, and maybe that's why I'm uh, sort of questioning the award. But I don't know. Um, Son got the Puskas award for the goal against West Ham. That's good. Yeah, it's like everyone likes Son. Yeah. Um, uh, sorry. Go ahead. 
No, no, no. I, I, yeah, I just I love Sonny. Yeah. And he's... I don't know if you saw The All or Nothing. I started watching it. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I'm a few you episodes should, uh, in. Okay. Have you got to the episode about Sun? No. Like about this is... Well, it's not all about him, but there's this one guy from Korea that comes all the way just to, like, take a picture of him. And they talk about how he's, like, God in Korea. He's just a, an Probably. absolute... Yeah. Like, stratosphere-level celebrity, which I think is hilarious because he's the most humble. Yeah. Like, he doesn't just, behave like a Premier League footballer. He's just so nice. Yeah. Um, I love Sonny, yeah. It's good, good to see things are going well for him. Uh, it's in the, the 11. Allison, a keeper. Arnold, uh, trying to like Arnold Ramos, Van Dyke, Davies. Shout out Alfonso Davies. <laughs> uh, Tiago, Tiago De Bruyne... Kimmich, Ronaldo, Lewandowski, Messi. I didn't have any problems with that. Yeah, I, too, I, I don't watch enough European football. Mm. On the basis of Champions League, I mean, I, I guess it would make sense to have a lot of Bayern players. Um, but it's, as a bit of a Premier League fanboy, I'm, I'm always skeptical of how difficult the domestic leagues are outside of, outside of England. Outside of the UK, so it's. I ne- I never really, play pay too much attention to these, teams because, I think it's so hard to compare domestic. Domestic leagues, but, that may just be like being a, Premier League snob, because I don't I don't watch enough, Bundesliga or La Liga or Serie A just to, to to comment I don't know. Yeah, well, that's fair. I mean, I think Premier League probably brings in the most viewership. Um, I think it's pretty accepted that it's the most difficult of the at least top five European leagues, I would think. Is it, though? I don't know. Uh, It's the most competitive, maybe? I don't know. Like, is there much challenge to the top teams in the other leagues? No. I guess not, but like, if you use the Champions League as a metric, how long has it been since we've had? Well, okay, other than the Spurs, Liverpool, like, yeah, then Chelsea in twenty, whatever, was that twenty twelve, twenty eleven? Yeah, twelve thirty. Yeah, I, uh, I, I think the Champions League has not been has not been a good place for English teams in recent years. And so, it's hard to say that it's, well, maybe it's hard to say that it's more competitive or a better league if English teams are dominating the Champions League. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I guess it's more competitive within its own right than the top teams from the other leagues are actually just better teams overall. I don't know. Um, all right. This was good. I know you're busy. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Well, thank you for having me. Anytime. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, Ontario at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples. The CFRC Podcast Network at podcast.cfrc.ca is brought to you by the generous support of the Queen's University Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences.